This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum. I hope you've been enjoying the Qalam podcast. An issue that's been the topic of a lot of discussion and debate within our community is balancing between spirituality and activism. I recently gave a lecture at the ICNA convention where I addressed this topic, so I thought I'd share the recording of the lecture with y'all. Take a listen. Hopefully it's a source of benefit to you and share it with others. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. I wanted to start off the discussion today, the presentation that I have, just some thoughts I wanted to share on this issue that has become quite a bit of a topic of conversation. Um, some folks might be familiar with it, as Imam Khalid was referencing, a lot of folks that are online that probably peruse a lot of the Muslim conversations, Muslim social media, the hashtags and whatnot, um, they probably are familiar, but otherwise more so kind of within the circles of the Muslim community where people have some investment and are active and involved, this has become a bigger and a bigger and a bigger conversation of topic. And one that if I'm speaking very, very honestly and ex- very candidly, it, started, it has started to become a bit of a negative conversation. The tone has become very, very negative and it's taken on the form of activism versus in opposition to, as opposed to, ideologically, um, I don't know what the term exactly would be, but maybe spiritually inclined folks, folks that identify as being more religious. And particularly, there's quite a bit of also conversation between scholars and activists. And this is starting to become quite a bit of an issue. So that's the topic I have. Now before I delve into that, and I have some thoughts I wanted to just share here today. But I wanted to share a moment from the life of the Prophet wasallam as a basis of the conversation. The Prophet wasallam, the entirety of our deen, the entirety of our deen is based upon the Qur'an. Everything that we've talked about, what Shaykh Jamal shared with us, what Imam Khalid shared with us, what Sister Linda will talk to us about, everything that is from our deen, the source and the basis and the foundation of all of it is the Qur'an, is the book of Allah. And that entire journey, because even the Prophet ﷺ is told in Surah An-Nahl, in Surah number 16, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ That this reminder, the Qur'an has been revealed to you, O Muhammad ﷺ, so you may demonstrate it, clarify it, uh, and realize it for the people. So that they understand what was revealed for them, what was revealed to them. And then they start to ponder and reflect and think about it. So everything, the basis of everything is the Qur'an. And the story of the Qur'an goes all the way back to that one blessed night in the cave of Hira, where the Prophet ﷺ first received divine revelation. So any conversations that we're going to be having pertaining to our deen, pertaining to Islam, are going to go back to that particular moment. When the Prophet ﷺ received that revelation, اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقْ 
delivered to him by Al-Jibreel, Al-Jibreel Al-Amin. The trustworthy Jibreel, Gabriel alayhi salam. The Prophet ﷺ, now this is something very interesting. He's been given the message. Now somebody in a vacuum, I'm kind of borrowing some of the, uh, the constructs. And I don't agree with these constructs, but I'm going to present them to you. Some of the constructs that do exist out there in the community, in society, some would say that that is the basis of spirituality. That's the basis of the religion, aside from activism. Okay, and all the other social political concerns that we have right now. So, the entirety of spirituality goes back to that. That was that message, that was the fountain, the spring of all that spirituality, the Qur'an. Now when the Prophet ﷺ comes home, this is in the hadith of Bukhari, the very first chapter of Imam Bukhari's um, authentic collection, Babu Badil Wahi, the chapter about the initiation of revelation. In it, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates this, that when the Prophet ﷺ came home to his beloved wife, Khadija, the mother of the believers, may Allah be pleased with her, when he came home to her, and he shared some how he was feeling very distressed and overwhelmed at this experience and at this responsibility that had been placed on his shoulders, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha spoke some words that have become preserved and become a firm part of our tradition. And people learn them and read them and memorize them till today. Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha to quote verbatim, she said, Kalla wallahi ma yukhzikallahu abada. She says, absolutely not. God will shall never forsake you. Now, what is her basis for saying this? Vouching for the spiritual credibility of the Prophet ﷺ. She says, إِنَّكَ لَتَصِلُ rahim. You take care of your family. وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلْبِ you lift up the downfall and the downtrodden in society. Those whom society has neglected, let fall through the cracks and even push down. You reach down and pick them back up. You give to those, you take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. You feed the ones who can't feed themselves. You are extremely hospitable to your guests. You honor your guests. وَتُعِينُ عَلَى نَوَائِبِ الْحَقِّ Anywhere where there is a worthy cause, you are to be found. You are to be found. You are the first one in line. From this, the primary point that I wanted to share here is that from the Islamic paradigm, from the philosophy of our deen and religion, Islam does not make a distinction between spirituality and activism. These are not two different arenas. These are not two different things. And this is not a claim that, this is not something I say just flippantly without, some substan- without substantiating that point. But the very first point, the thesis that I'd like to share here is, Islam does not make a distinction between spirituality and activism. That is a modern construct. That is a construct that has been borrowed from others. And our deen does not have this construct. And I'll present to you a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet ﷺ demonstrates this. The Prophet ﷺ says, لَأَنْ يَمْشِيَ أَحَدُكُمْ مَعَ أَخِيهِ فِي قَضَاءِ حَاجَةٍ وَأَشَارَ بِإِسْبَعِهِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ أَنْ يَعْتَقِفَ فِي مَسْجِدِي هَذَا شَهْرَيْنِ 
The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Let me let me explain a few basic things before I get started. First of all, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells us that the three most sacred places on earth, the three most sacred places on earth, are the Kaaba, the house of God in Mecca. In the awwal bayt wudi ali nasi laladi bi bakkata mubarakan. Secondly is the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, the haram, the city of Medina. The Prophet ﷺ said that I requested God to sanctify the city of Medina as He has sanctified the city of Mecca. That is the second amongst the three most sacred places on earth. And some philosophers, some Muslim philosophers are of the opinion, the only three sacred places on earth. And the third is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي أَسْرَى بِعَبْدِهِ لَيْلًا مِنَ الْمَشْرِ الْحَرَامِ إِلَى الْمَشْرِ الْأَقْصَى الَّذِي بَارَكْنَا حَوْلَهُ That God said we sanctified that entire area. We blessed it. These are the three most sacred places on earth. And as I said, and according to some, the three only places that can be truly called sacred. Now, the, that's the first thing I want you to take a note of. So the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ is at the core of that sacred place in Medina. I wanted to establish that. Now, let me explain to you, let me translate and share with you what the Prophet ﷺ says in this beautiful hadith. The Prophet ﷺ says that someone walking, someone moving, another narration says, مَنْ سَعَى فِي حَاجَةِ أَخِيهِ Somebody striving, struggling, working to help someone else, to relieve somebody else's need is better, is more virtuous than someone observing i'tikaf. I'tikaf means you seclude, you restrict yourself to the masjid. You are going to do nothing for the next 24 hours except worship God. You will even restrict how frequently you go to the restroom. You will try to manage that so that you leave the masjid for as little time as possible. That's called i'tikaf. It's a very sacred practice. The Prophet ﷺ did this the entirety of the 10 years, every Ramadan in the city of Medina, he did this for 10, for 10 days, for all 10 years in Medina. The Prophet ﷺ saying, going out, working, walking, striving, struggling, to relieve the need of another human being is better, more virtuous, afdal. Better and more virtuous than observing i'tikaf in my masjid for two whole months. Imagine never coming out from the masjid of the Prophet for two months, doing nothing but praying and worshipping, and remembering Allah. And helping somebody is a more virtuous deed. You see there what the Prophet ﷺ did. He is challenging this, these notions, these preconceived notions that we have, about a differentiation, a delineation between spirituality and activism. By, by comparing and contrasting the two. That he took something that is a solely, purely, religious ritual where it's just you and Allah and no one or nothing else. And the Prophet ﷺ is comparing that even though we don't compare and contrast good deeds. But he's the Prophet ﷺ who is teaching us a lesson. He's the teacher teaching us a lesson. And he says that even such a remarkable act of worship that requires such consistency and diligence and sacrifice, helping somebody in need is greater than that. And right there, the Prophet ﷺ completely shatters this notion about a difference between spirituality and activism. So for that reason, for that reason, if I may, very humbly, 
I'd like to actually talk about something else. Instead of talking about balancing between spirituality and activism, and I, what I'd like to talk about is the real delineation that the Prophet ﷺ has given us, and that is the difference between learning and working. He never told us there was a difference, there were two arenas, spirituality and activism. He said there are two arenas, and that is learning and working. That's what he taught us. And within this is the solution, and I'll talk towards the end, because somebody might say, but at the same time, there does exist this, this, this difference, this, this conundrum, this dilemma between spirituality and activism. So how do we go about in solving that? So I will address that towards the end, inshallah. So I wanted to talk about this difference between learning and working, learning and practicing, learning and doing good, learning and implementing what you learned. And this is very, very important. It cannot be stressed enough. The Prophet ﷺ says in an authentic narration, very famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, narrated by Uthman ibn Affan, where he says, خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ The best amongst you is the one who learns the Qur'an and teaches it. And allow me to show you some of the uh, uh, misunderstanding that exists today. The misunderstanding is he's saying that the best amongst you is the one who learns the Qur'an and teaches it. And there is this zeal that takes over someone once they kind of get involved and they start you know, introducing and orienting themselves to their deen and their religion that they want to teach. But the Prophet ﷺ, he does not say anything accidentally. He speaks with eloquence. He was gifted eloquence by God. He said, learns the Qur'an and teaches it. You have to learn before you can teach. You have to crawl before you can walk. And that's where the real gap exists right now. We do not take learning seriously. Nor learning our deen, nor learning our history, nor learning what's going on in the world, nor sitting with people who have been doing work and asking them. None of that. We don't take any of that. But we jump straight into just trying to expend as much energy as we can. We're just standing in one place spinning our wheels until we burn those rubbers right off the wheels. Those tires right off the wheels. And that's where, that's where the problem exists. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he wrote a, a letter of advice to one of his students. And in it, he said something really, really profound. He said, Al-ilmu bila amalin jununun. Al-ilmu bila amalin jununun. He says knowledge, an obsession with knowledge, without any concern for implementation, practice, and work, doing work, doing good. He says it's insanity, it's an obsession, it's a disorder. You have become obsessed with something. You are obsessed with something. It is compulsive behavior. And he says on the flip side, trying to do some good in the world without learning how to do good, without learning the difference between right and wrong and good and bad, nothing will materialize. You will make zero difference. You will do no good. You will sink yourself and the dangerous thing is you might sink others along with you. The hadith of An-Nu'man ibn Bashir, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, him and his father were both Muslims. An-Nu'man ibn Bashir, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, the hadith that he narrates from the Prophet is beautiful in this sense, where he talks about two, bar, two parties boarding a ship, one on the lower deck and the upper deck. And every time people on the lower deck, they need water, they go up to the people on the upper deck to 
throw over the bucket and pull over some water from, from the side of the ship. One day they say, why should we bother the people of the upper ship? Why don't we just drill a hole right here in the lower deck and we'll get all the water that we need. Now he says that if the people of the upper deck don't go and stop them, everyone will perish and die. That hadith is primarily has a misdaq, it has a benefit where it talks about the significance and the importance of making sure that you don't live in a bubble and isolate yourself. But the other thing I want to talk about is the people of the lower deck, they in and of themselves are a powerful example. A real ibra, a real lesson. That that's what ignorance does. You think you're solving a problem, but you're creating a bigger problem. You're creating a bigger problem. Learning and doing. These are the two arenas we have to operate in. We have to learn and we have to do. Now spirituality, so the next thing that I wanted to share here is the Prophet ﷺ when he sent... Now I wanted to talk a little bit about this, you know, what to learn and how to go about learning. The Prophet ﷺ, he sent Mu'ad ibn Jabal عنه, a great, a very brilliant young Sahabi companion of the Prophet ﷺ, and he sent him to Yemen to go there and to help you know, organize their community, help fix up their society, help them organize their affairs. It was very much public work, serving the people there. Before he sent him, it's a very touching narration where Mu'adh was extremely attached to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, he told Mu'adh, board your ride. And then the Prophet ﷺ held the rope of the camel and walked him out of Medina. And Mu'adh felt embarrassed and he tried to get down. The Prophet ﷺ said, stay, stay seated. I need to talk to you. I need to pay attention to what I'm saying. And they're walking along. And as they're walking along, the Prophet ﷺ talking to him. And Mu'ad narrates this hadith himself. And he says that the Prophet asked him, What shall you do? What will you do if you face any problems, any challenges? An issue that you don't have the answer for. He said, I will decide based off of what I find in the Quran. The Prophet said, What if you don't find the answer for their question or their problem in the Quran directly, explicitly? You don't find it explicitly mentioned in the Quran. What are you going to do? He said, I will, I will look and research within the tradition and the precedent of the Prophet Muhammad. He said, What if you don't find it in my precedents? Explicitly. He said, Ajtahidu ra'yi la alu. He said, I will I will extract the principles from the Quran and the Sunnah and then investigate and research and think and try to extract a, a good solution. But I will not quit, I will not rest until I find the answer for their question. The Prophet ﷺ, he patted Mu'adh bin Jabal, patted him like you know, like saying good job. And then he said, Alhamdulillahi ladhi waffaqa rasoola rasoolillahi lima yurdi rasoolallahi. He says, I thank and praise God for giving my representative the ability to know and to understand that which brings me comfort and peace. That I know I can put my faith and trust in this young man and I can send him out there. That's knowing the deen. Finding the solutions to people's problems will be found in the deen, in what Allah and His Messenger have given us.
And so the two questions I'd like to pose here as I wrap this up and conclude this. The two questions that still are on the table. And that is, okay, it's easy for me to stand here and say, and I have full confidence in what I'm saying, and that's why I tried to substantiate it, that Islam doesn't create this distinction between spirituality and activism. However, what that does not change, that does not change the fact that there still exists this dichotomy even within our community. So why is it that some practicing or religious or knowledge-oriented folks in the Muslim community neglect and even go as far, tragically, go as far as dismissing activism? Why do they do that? And on the flip side, why do some, some activists feel like they don't need spirituality? So this, why do these sentiments still exist? And the answer is very simple. This is exactly what happens when you don't know your history. And for us, that has a very simple answer. That means they don't know the seerah, the life of the Prophet ﷺ. It is impossible for someone to have read, studied, pondered, reflected, spent time with the seerah, the life, the biography of the Prophet ﷺ, and still arrive at this particular type of conclusion. To still behave this way, like there's a dichotomy. When you see the Prophet ﷺ, where he wakes up during the night, the night before the Battle of Badr, where the entire ummah might just be obliterated. And the Prophet ﷺ spends the entire night before the Battle of Badr, praying and worshipping, making dua, crying in front of Allah, saying, please save us, please save us. Makes dua the entire night. And on the flip side, when you see that when the Prophet ﷺ leaves his home, goes out for a mission, he goes out into battle, he goes out to, uh, to, to face off against the oppressors, that they shorten the prayer, they combine the prayer, and during the battle of the trench, when they were trying to save the lives of everyone in Medina, they missed three consecutive prayers. Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib. Because he said, we cannot leave the trench. If we walk away from the trench to go pray right now, they'll overrun here and massacre everyone. So we will stay here, and we'll do what needs to be done right now. And the Prophet ﷺ finally at Isha, when, when, they, when the enemy went back, when they receded from the onslaught, the attack, the assault, the Prophet ﷺ then gathered the Muslims and he said, now we have to pray. And he felt bad. And he said, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deal with these people. Shaghaluna anis salawat. They did not let us pray. But notice, he did set the precedent. Where he understood the urgency of the situation. Now again, how would that get out of hand? Somebody taking it upon themselves to decide when they can pray and they, not, they don't pray. No, 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 no. That goes back to learning. You have to learn what those situations are. This is the age of information, not the age of knowledge. And this is part of the problem. We're information junkies. But knowledge is depth. It's not width, breadth. It's depth. I, I, I don't want to get off, tra off topic too much. I need to wrap up. Uh, I want to hear from Sister Linda. I know everyone else does as well. But I'll tell you something. Just the, the, it, it really, it's hard to kind of figure out exactly what happened and where it went wrong. I have teachers 
that I've sat with and benefited from, who would teach, of course they were very knowledgeable in the deen and the religion, but they would teach not only just one subject of the deen, like hadith, they would teach one book of the science of hadith from the knowledge of Islam for 50 years of their lives. I had a teacher who taught Sahih Muslim for 50 years. One time I was walking with him, I was helping him carry some books, and we walked out of the class, and somebody, another one of the more junior teachers at the Jami'ah came to him and said, I had a question about a hadith from Tirmidhi. It's another book of hadith. He said, oh, you should go ask Shaykh Azizur Rahman because he's a specialist in Tirmidhi. I was like, what? And I was very, like, I had a good relationship with him, so when we went and sat down, I just said, you knew the answer to his question, right? And he said, yeah. So I said, then why didn't you answer? He goes, that's not what I'm a specialist of. Al-ikhtisas. Al-ikhtisas. Learn to specialize. Have depth. Right? Too superficial today. And so I wanted to conclude by sharing a poem of Imam Shafi'i rahimahullahu ta'ala, which talks about something very beautiful. He says, أَتَهَزَّأُ بِالدُّعَاءِ وَتَزْدَرِيهِ وَمَا تَذْرِبِ مَا صَنَعَ الدُّعَاءُ سِهَامُ اللَّيْلِ لَا تُخْطِئُ وَلَكِنْ لَهَا أَمَدٌ وَلِلْأَمَدِ إِنْقِضَاءُ He says that you underestimate and mock and ridicule praying at night. But in reality, you don't understand the power of dua to Allah. And he goes on to say that the arrows that are launched at night, they do not miss their target. Meaning the, 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 the things that are learned and figured out when you spend time one-on-one with Allah, those things will lead you to the, the, the goal and the destination where you want to get to. He says, because they are guaranteed by Allah to reach their destination, and that guarantee Allah fulfills. That's one side of it. Invest in your relationship with Allah. And on the other side of it, never ever forget that we're accountable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, the right, for what's right and what's wrong. And what we neglect and what we, ta- what we, what we dismiss. And what we ignore. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah number 5, ayah number 8, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu. O you who believe, if you profess, if you claim to be a believer, Kunu qawwamina bil qist. Kunu qawwamina bil qist. Stand for what's right. Shuhada alillah. As witnesses before God. Kunu qawwamina lillahi shuhada bil qist. Stand as witnesses before God and stand for what's right. In another place in the Quran, Allah says, even if it be against yourself, against your family, and even against your parents. But you stand for what's right, you stand for what's just. Just because somebody else is doing things the wrong way, that should never allow you to do things the wrong way. You always have to do things the right way. Be just, be fair. That is what will bring you closer to Allah. See against that, again that merger between that activism and spirituality. Allah, always be conscious of God. God is always informed of everything that you do. And so that's why a little humble recommendation that I make to folks in my community, that I was given, that I have taken to heart. If we are working, if we're out there doing work, it's very important that we make time to sit down and learn. 
And organizations, it's a bigger responsibility that goes to organizations. Organizations that have people working within them need to ensure the opportunity to their workers that they will get a chance to learn. Because again, I'm not talking about spirituality and activism. I told you. I'm talking about learning and working. But we have to stop expending. We have to stop sacrificing learning for the sake of working. Make time to learn. Organizations should take it upon themselves to facilitate learning for their workers. Otherwise, the future, the, otherwise we will lose our orientation. That is our guiding light. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to know our deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to be able to live our deen. And to represent our deen through the work that we do. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakum Allah khairim.